Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Wednesday, February the 21st. And welcome to our welcome to our commentary. Well, I have a post over at the American Thinker today talking about this battle between President Biden and uh, former President Trump. And the battle is sort of like which one of these two guys is too old to be president. And it's, it's kind of an interesting battle because it all started when a professor in British Columbia took a look at President Trump and said, well, you know, he's showing signs of mental acuity as well. And of course, everybody's saying that about President uh, about President Biden. It's an interesting battle because we've never had two men that old running for president before. You know, I write in my in my article that President Reagan was 78 years old, or actually just just about to turn uh, 80, I think. He was in his late 70s, I'll put it that way, when he was, uh, when he was president. And then everybody remembers uh, Bob Dole, who was 73 when he ran for president. So we have not had two men before running for president, one who's actually 82 right now, and one who is going to be, I believe, 78 if he was elected. So this is new territory, new territory for for voters. And I think it's completely legitimate, by the way, uh, to talk about their age. And in the case of, as I say, in the case of, of President Trump, and I saw a little bit of that uh, town hall meeting that he had with Laura Ingram. Uh, look, he looks pretty sharp. I'll just say that. He looks pretty sharp. Uh, I don't think Joe Biden, honestly, could do a town hall like that for 30 minutes, 40 minutes, and be that sharp. I, I, I just don't think he can. Uh, so I think what, you know, when you look at it on the TV, I mean, somebody like myself looks at these two men, and let's put partisanship aside, and you look at these two men and you say, well, based on what I see, again, I'm not a doctor, I'm not an expert, but based on what I see, I think President Trump looks a little sharper than President uh, Biden. I mean, there's no question about it when you see it on TV. And the fact that, uh, you know, the White House goes out of its way to uh, keep uh, President uh, Biden from answering questions. I mean, look at this report that came out from special counsel, uh, Mr. Hur, where he basically said, well, you know, a lot of bad things happen. A lot of laws were broken, but we're not going to prosecute him, frankly, because we, we don't think he's old enough or we don't think that, we think he's too old, actually. Uh, to stand in front of a jury and the jury may have sympathy or whatever for him. Uh, you know, that's a pretty amazing report. I mean, to write that about a president of the United States, he's too old to go in front of a jury, but he's young enough to be president. I mean, it's pretty, pretty interesting, uh, pretty interesting conclusion. By the way, let me, let me say something about that conclusion. Uh, Professor Alan Dorshowitz of, uh, I think he used to be at Harvard. He may be retired now, but he's on TV a lot uh, talking about these things. He recently wrote that he thought that the special counsel's decision was horrible, meaning you either find him guilty or not guilty. But to say he's guilty, but we're not going to prosecute him because we don't we think he's too old, that that, I think, uh, was a disaster. And that's the Professor Dershowitz, who's a Democrat, not a fan of of Donald Trump. And I think the other professor, Turley, too, said something similar. The idea being, hey, you know, either either he's guilty or he's not uh, guilty. But, you know, the, the, the fact is that we have two men of an age group that we've never had before. 
And, uh, you know, which one of these two men is better fit to be president? Well, I'm not a doctor. I'm not an expert. So I don't know. But I do see on TV. I saw, again, as I said before, uh, Donald Trump in a town hall meeting for 90 days looking as sharp as ever. Uh, you don't see uh, President Trump, do, I mean, President Biden doing anything like that. So it's, it's going to be a, a tough issue, a tough issue, because we as citizens, we as citizens deserve to know what the mental acuity of our leaders is, especially the president of the United States. I mean, this is a guy who, who could get a, a call at three o'clock in the morning saying that nuclear missiles are on their way. You got to make a decision. Uh, you know, not not everybody has to make uh, decisions like that, but the president of the United States does. So how do you fix it? I think that's what everybody's trying to figure out. I actually think in my post, I suggested that these two men should, ha should start having debates. They should start having debates. Put them on TV. Do a town hall meeting. Do whatever. Uh, you know, just put them on TV. And they should do a few debates. I think the American people should see these two men uh, answering questions and taking questions from the public or reporters. And let's see where it goes. Let's see where it goes. Now, again, I'm, I don't think the Biden people are going to do it because they know what a problem he would be. But I think the country's entitled to it. I mean, if Biden cannot do debates, if he cannot in not go in front of a jury, I don't think he's fit to be president either. So it's a tough call, but um, maybe maybe the Democrats will help us make that call when they decide to replace him. I think they will, by the way. I've been saying this from the very beginning. I think they will replace uh, Joe Biden. I, I just don't see how anybody can go into a campaign uh, with Joe Biden uh, in, that, uh, in that situation. Well, I've got a post uh, coming out tomorrow morning uh, regarding New York and this uh, opinion that was, or this judgment that was, uh, issued uh, against uh, President Trump, former President Trump, 350 million or whatever it is with interest. It's over 400 million. And I think this is a travesty. This is a travesty. And I'm going to be talking to Frank Burke about this. It'll be on the audio side on the podcast. If you can check the podcast, I would recommend that you listen to it because Frank is from New York and he understands New York quite well. And he's upset by this. And so am I. And frankly, so are lots of business people in New York who are saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, You, this judge has basically arbitrarily changed the definition of a fraud. You know, there's a lot of finance people, a lot of business people, a lot of real estate people in New York who have done business over the years exactly the same way Trump does it, which is to say my business or my building is worth so much. I want you to lend me so much. The bank then does its own due diligence and they come back and they say, no, we think it's worth this much. The business gets built, the building gets built or whatever. Jobs are created and life goes on. That's the way it always has been done and the way it's done by lots of people. And in this particular case, what makes me angry and frankly, what makes a lot of people angry is the fact that the judge has basically said, even though there is no evidence of fraud, there is fraud. I mean, he's arbitrarily creating a standard of fraud and I don't know if you heard about this, but the governor of New York was on a radio interview a couple of days ago saying, no, 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 don't worry. This only applies to Trump. This is only about Trump. If you're a business, you don't have to leave New York. The problem is a lot of business people in New York are watching this and they're going, hey, wait a minute. They can do that against us. I mean, imagine if you're a, a successful businessman 
in New York and you don't contribute to the Democrat Party, what if the attorney general decided to, you know, get nitpicky and find something and uh, take you to court and then you have a judge who basically carries the water of the Democrat Party? I mean, it's pretty scary. If you're a business person, that's not the kind of legal environment that you want to be uh, doing businesses because one of the most important things about the rule of law is that it applies the same to everybody. But if you're going to co- invent a definition of fraud and say no fraud was committed, there were no victims, but nevertheless, I hate Trump so much that I want to destroy Trump. Well, if you start practicing justice like that, first of all, there's going to be an exit of businesses from New York. They're already leaving. I mean, it's amazing to me. The state of New York is, is losing businesses all the time. They're losing taxpayers all the time because of the economy and because of taxes and so on. So this was a very bad decision, absolutely a bad decision that I believe should be appealed and hopefully will be repealed on appeal. And they ought to do it not so much for Trump. They ought to do it for the businesses of New York. Because again, this is having a very bad effect on the minds of business people in New York who are saying, wait a minute, how can I go to, how do I go to the courtroom and get a fair trial? especially if you're a Republican. Remember that, especially if you're a Republican. Well, if you remember on this day in history, 1972, that would make it, what, 52 years ago today? 52 years ago today, President Nixon's plane landed in in China, and that began that whole story of Nixon in China. And, you know, the phrase, a Nixon to China moment, has become very much a part of our political rhetoric. And a Nixon to China moment is when you go against uh, your own political party. And the reason here is that nobody, nobody expected a conservative Republican anti-communist like Richard Nixon to make a move like this, but he did, to his credit, he did. And he went to China and began, well, began basically the China that we know today. Now, Uh, Did we get a good deal out of this? I don't know. If you're a business person, maybe you say yes. Obviously, human rights, we didn't. China is still a pathetic place for for human rights. But China is now a world superpower. They have all kinds of military uh, assets that I don't think they would have had had Nixon not opened the, the door to China back then. But it was one of those moments I happen to remember it. I happen to be watching the Today Show when that plane landed and Nixon and Mrs. Nixon came out of the plane. It was a lot of history. It was a lot of history. And as I say, 52 years later, people are still debating whether or not uh, we got the better out of that deal. But one way or another, it happened uh, on this day in 1952, and it forever, forever changed uh, the relations between the United States and, and China. 52 years ago today, 1972, Nixon to China. What a, I remember that moment, watching it on TV and the Today Show. I remember that moment. Thank you for listening. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye, everybody.